Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. I was uh, coming back from Sholo Wednesday morning. I took off and drove up there to see my brother-in-law who's doing very poorly. And uh, he took a bad turn for the worse on Tuesday evening or early Wednesday morning, actually. And so I went up there to see him and spend the day till his siblings could show up and and get there. And uh, on my way back, a car came across the double yellow line and I thought I was going to be going to heaven. And at the last minute, I couldn't go over any further because there was a guardrail about that far outside of my lane. And so I couldn't go further without hitting the guardrail. And he either the angels pushed him back or he swerved back just a little bit. And all it did was smash the mirror off our car. You know, it's funny how much you depend on that little mirror there when you're driving, especially around town, to watch other cars and Uh, But I praise the Lord. I wasn't hurt. The car wasn't seriously hurt. I was able to drive. It's going to get fixed in the next week or two, and we have a rental car. uh, But it it could have been so much worse. You know, we have split-second things that happen in our lives, minute details that that make a difference. Uh, The timing of things sometimes is uh, uh, radical the difference it can make one second or another second. You know, if he had not moved back just a little bit, I would have found out how good my front airbag was. And uh, But he moved back just enough. And by the way, people say, well, did he stop? And, no, actually, I pulled over. And as I got out of my car, I could hear his engine revving. He was uh, accelerating. So... Um, Might have been a lady, except most ladies who drive trucks don't drive old pickup trucks. It was an older pickup truck. So So, uh, I just wanted to share a praise that it wasn't worse and that we're getting it fixed. And uh, it's a little sad, you know, it's it's fairly new to us. We only got the car a few months ago and, and it was used when we got it, but it still was almost brand new for us. And uh, but that happens. So you're here in church, and what are we going to talk about? Nuclear power. Yeah. No. Um, Arco, Idaho is, was the first city in the world to be lit by atomic power. And uh, Kathy and I were in Arco. They had, have a little sign down a gravel road. You can go out to Atomic City and see the residue of something that happened there. We didn't go down that road. She, I think, kind of wanted to. I was looking more for food down this other road, so we ended up not going there. But on January 3rd, 1961, some of you were around then, and uh, the reactor in the atomic city there exploded. Now, the reactor had been disabled for Christmas so that the employees could go spend time with their relatives, and, and they powered everything based on the backup systems. And then when they got back after Christmas and they're trying to fire it all up, they have to reconnect the rods, the core rods, reconnect them in there. And uh, it didn't quite go right, and there was an explosion and three people died. The only three people who've been killed in a nuclear reactor uh, incident in America, so I've read. And... uh, the inspectors determined that the person who was reconnecting the rods was off by one millimeter. If I held up an exact one millimeter gap in my hands, you probably couldn't notice the difference from where you're sitting. One millimeter. Just that much. In a nuclear reactor core, the margin of error for safe operation is zero. No errors. It must be exactly right. Now, we serve a God who's a kind and gracious God, who's giving and forgiving, who's gracious. He will forgive our sins. He will save our soul. We appreciate that. But God also has a high and holy standard, and you cannot get into heaven unless you meet that standard, and nobody does. All have sinned and come short 
of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ died in your place on the cross to pay your penalty so that you could get into heaven. And so once you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, God looks at you and he doesn't say, oh, Jamie's off by a millimeter. No, he looks at Jamie and he sees the blood of Jesus Christ that paid the penalty. And so we're welcome in heaven because of what Jesus did once we believe and trust in him. But people get the idea that after you walk with the Lord for a while, things get a little easier. They get a little better. And I don't want to discourage you this morning, but your choices won't get any easier. It won't. Now, my dad and I heard a pastor who was in his late 70s at the time, and he was talking about how you know, at my age, Satan really doesn't mess with me because I've been walking with the Lord for so long and I don't face the temptations that you little people in the pew there face. You know, that, that wasn't exactly how he phrased it, but it was kind of the idea. But I think it's the exact opposite. See, if God could get a man who'd been preaching the word for 40 years to fall away into sin, then that would be a bigger, I mean, if Satan could get somebody to fall away into sin, that would be a bigger coup for Satan. It would be a bigger hindrance to the cause of Christ. And so it doesn't get easier. And so uh, we're going to look in James chapter 4, and we're going to read several verses there. But some things get easier with practice. You can practice uh, the piano. You can get better at the piano or baseball, at gymnastics or cooking, at running or driving. Uh, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. It's a combination of muscle memory and also of neural connection in your brains. So it gets a little bit easier. But some things don't get easier. The right thing is never going to be easier to do. It's always going to take work. Every day you're going to have a spiritual struggle going on inside you and going on around you, and it's not going to get easier over time. The Bible actually said it's going to get worse and worse as the end times approach because it's like Satan's last gasp. He's going to give it everything he has. And no matter how many years you've walked with the Lord, you will never have a day where doing the right thing is the easiest thing to do. It's always going to be a little difficult. If you have your Bible in James chapter 4, look, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Father, as we look at your word this day, we pray that you would give us understanding. We pray that your Holy Spirit would guard our minds and thoughts so that we can focus on your word, focus on your truth, that we can learn and be drawn closer to you. And I pray, Lord, if there's one here who's never received Jesus Christ as Savior, that after this service, they might ask somebody to show them how to be saved. Uh, it's very exciting when somebody gets saved. There's rejoicing in heaven, your scripture says. And Father, we pray that those of us who are here that have trusted Christ, that you would use this message to encourage us in our walk with Christ, to challenge us, uh, to grow us and mature us as, as we are in the process of walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not going to go in order of those verses. We're going to start out with verse number two. And the first idea is that God has blessings he plans to give you if you will just pursue him. He has blessings that he plans to give you if you will just pursue him. He says, you have not because you ask not. 
That's the end of verse 2. Jesus often spent extended time in prayer, and Paul wrote about his prayers. He wrote prayers for people, and then he also wrote and asked people to please pray for him. Last month, our church had some big answers to prayer. We are praying that people would get saved under our ministry. And last month, we rejoiced to have people do that. We also were praying for uh, a missionary that we support in an Eastern Bloc country. Uh, That missionary had a, a believing friend who was serving in Afghanistan when the Taliban took over. And we were praying for her to be able to get out of Afghanistan. And the first two times, it failed. In fact, the second time, they barely got away from the riot at the airport, but then she was out. And so we rejoiced. The prayers were answered, and God doesn't always answer every prayer exactly the way we want, but God does answer prayer. Think about this. In all of human history, some of the great movements of God among his people were prompted by the prayers of his people. It was God answering the prayers of his people that brought many of the great movements of God on planet Earth. James talks about prayer again in chapter 5. We're not going to go there today. Uh, We'll look at it more then. But here in chapter 4, James is introducing the idea that your prayers make a difference. They make a difference in your life, and that spills over into the lives of others around you. God has made your own prayers one of the measures of how he will work in your life. You know, one guy crossing the double yellow, smacking into the mirror on my car, and then driving away, I'm pretty sure the mirror on his car was pretty messed up too, or on his truck, because my mirror was destroyed. All we have left was some wires hanging out the side and, and the fragments of plastic that eventually fell off. But... You know, it didn't just mess up our car. Kathy was supposed to go to Tucson to help her mom the next day, and she couldn't go because we didn't have the car. And then it, it affected some other things. And it's now affecting the workers. There's all kinds of people involved in the process of getting it fixed and on the road again. And And uh, I spent a lot of time talking with insurance company. You know, they act like they're doing you a favor to process your claim. Isn't that strange? They only exist because you pay them to do it. But anyway, we're getting there. So I'll get off on a rant here if I keep going there. But uh, Abraham and Sarah... And Zacharias and Elizabeth, you might recognize those names. Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, uh, walking with God, wanting a child. The book of Genesis includes the first several generations of Abraham's family as the foundation of the nation of Israel. And then uh, later on in the New Testament, in Luke, we meet Zacharias and Elizabeth. And these were older people who had loved God and tried to follow God and wanted to have a child. And yet God never answered those prayers for more than 25 years. But guess what? They both had a son. Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. And Zacharias and Elizabeth had John, the Baptist. And and they both had God answered those prayers. In fact, when the angel comes to Zacharias, he says, Zacharias, God has heard your prayer. And he's answering your prayer. What if they'd never prayed? What if Zacharias and and, uh, Elizabeth had wanted a kid but had never prayed? What if Abraham and Sarah had not sought God for this blessing in their life? Why, the course of human history would be different. Their prayers and God's answer to their prayers changed the course of the world. So, what are you praying for? How could your prayers affect the world? God has blessings that he plans to give you if you will just pursue him. Second thing is that you can get trapped in the desire for pleasures on earth instead of in heaven. 
Let's look back at verse number one. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James writes that terrible things take place based on the desires of people. Verse one, wars, wars come. Wars are battles and conflict that affect people and nations. A hundred years ago, we were in the roaring 20s. The world was looking good because the great war was over. The war to end all wars had finished. How did that go? You know, since then, well, we had World War II. Just 21 years later, it started up. And then we had the Korean conflict and Vietnam and uh, then wars fought in Cambodia and Somalia and Grenada and Kuwait and Iraq and Afghanistan and Iraq again. And those are only the ones where American troops have been. There's also tribal wars and, and sectarian wars going on in Western Europe and Eastern Europe and Africa and Asia and all around the world. In fact, there were more wars fought after the Great War than the wars fought before the Great War. There's been more death and dying from bloodshed in wars. And so he says, wars come. And then he says, there's another thing. There's wars and fights. Well, fights aren't on the scale of wars. They are quarrels and disputes between individuals or groups of people. They don't affect as many people, but the ones who are affected can be just as devastated as those in a war. Like uh, we have cops who serve here, and sometimes cops are put in a dangerous situation. Uh, I served as a chaplain for DPS in eight years, and in eight years, six or seven times, I was called out to the scene where an officer was shot at. And that's not the grand scale of a war, but it's a fight, and it's a fight to the death sometimes. You should pray for those who serve in the military and those who serve in law enforcement and as firefighters. You pray for their safety as they help make the world safe for people like us. And then he says uh, in verse 2, wars and, well, wars and fights come among you. They come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members. That's the end of verse 1. The desires for pleasure that war in your members. And then in verse 2, he talks about you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. So we have um, murders and coveting. And all of this starts small. It starts in the human heart. One person, one man, one woman, one teenager, one kid, one person wanted what they wanted, and they didn't care about other people. One person wanted something, they decided to do the wrong thing to get what they wanted, and lives and even nations have been destroyed because of that coveting, that longing, that desiring for whatever you wanted. Now, the real danger is that you and I are part of this system. This is the way the world operates. And I know not everybody looks it, but you are all human. You are all human beings. You are born with a sin nature. You are a descendant of Adam and Eve who rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. And you have a sin nature within you. And every human being struggles with coveting and desires, and those can build up. In fact, verse 3 says, sometimes our prayers are so self-centered, God has to say no, because you want to do something that's not going to be good for you long term, and God sees that, and so he has to say no. Now, Kathy and I were able to go on a road trip in July. We broke our car in really well, about 7,000 miles of driving, and we had a great time, a good trip. And uh, we got to see a lot of the world. You know, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. God has created a magnificent world. And what's amazing is the awesome beauty that we see, this is part of the curse. 
Imagine how great it's going to be in the new heaven and the new earth with no curse and amazing. But we can't spend our lives just traveling. We enjoyed it. We had no time pressure. In fact, there were a couple days we weren't sure how far we'd go, and so we'd just find a hotel whenever we got ready for it. And we'd get close, and Kathy'd get on her phone, and she'd start looking some stuff up and try and find a place for us. And we did that several times on the trip. But you can't live on vacation. God wants you to serve and minister. Even once you completely retire, uh, there's still things that God wants you to do. You never retire from serving the Lord. God has a desire. And so we can get trapped into looking for pleasures on earth instead of in heaven. And uh, we're supposed to long for, yearn for that day we can be with the Lord. We're also supposed to prepare for that day. So here's a third thing. You are at war. But which side are you on? He says in verse 1, Wars and fights come from among you. They come out from inside you. They come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members. So there's two wars going on that you're personally involved in. One's on the inside. Paul writes about it to the Galatians. He said, your flesh is warring against your spirit. Like this morning, maybe, you woke up and you thought, I don't want to get around for church. And you wanted to just lay there in bed. I heard the story of one guy who said, I'm not going to church. Nobody likes me. Nobody appreciates me. I'm just not going. And his wife's pulling on his foot and saying, honey, you have to get up. You have to go to church. And she said, he said, give me one reason why I need to go. And she said, you're the pastor. You have to be there. So it wasn't my wife and I, but... I always love being here. It's my second favorite place in the world. So my favorite place is home with her, but uh, this is really close. But, but you know, there's some days you just don't feel like getting up and going to work. There's some days you just would like to play hooky. But we never play hooky from the struggle that goes inside us. In fact, if you give in to your desire to play hooky, the struggle gets worse. It starts there inside you. So then you're also involved in another war, and that's on the outside, where people are fighting and arguing, and sometimes there's wars taking place that impact you, and it's a struggle that's going on all the time. You cannot straddle the line. There is no middle ground. Look what James says, verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Well, we understand the concept of adultery, a person being intimate with somebody who's not their spouse. We understand that. Some of you have suffered that because your husband or your wife was unfaithful to you and you have suffered the consequences of that. Then he says, do not you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I like to watch some football, not nearly as often and as much as my wife does, uh, but we were watching a bit of a game yesterday, and what if one of the players started helping the other team? That's what God says you do when you don't serve him. You help the enemy. And enmity means open hostility. There's this open hostility between you and God if you decide you're going to be a friend to the world. When your desires are focused on the things of earth, even the good things of earth, like your own family, like your own ministry success, even those things are earthly things. And if that's your focus, you're working against the Holy Spirit. You're not moving in the direction 
God wants you to move in. So take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 John. We're in James, then 1st and then 2nd Peter, and then 1st John as you move your way toward Revelation. Uh, 1st John chapter 2. John describes this struggle as well. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away on the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So he's saying, don't have this longing desire for the things of this earth. What would be those things of this earth? Well, it could be material things. That you so desperately want a nicer house, a nicer car, that you'll not follow the Lord. There's choices that you can make. Uh, years ago, um, I had the opportunity, when I left the Marine Corps, uh, I had the opportunity to get a management job at a restaurant that would have paid a significant amount of money for us back then. And, uh, but they had one requirement. I'd have to work every Sunday morning. And Kathy and I said, we're not going to do that. I want to be in church on Sunday morning. So I said, if you could give me Sunday morning off, they said, absolutely not. If you're going to be a manager, you have to be there on Sunday morning. And so I turned it down. And my total paycheck for that whole year was one-seventh of what I would have made at that restaurant. I would have made as much in two uh, months at that restaurant as I made the whole year and the job that I had but I could be in church on Sunday. Was it worth it? Absolutely. It was the right decision for us. And so we can make choices based on the world and wanting the world. Maybe it is materialism. Maybe you're not giving to the Lord because you're saving it for something you want. Well, the Bible says when you give to the Lord, God will bless your life. And you're missing out on the blessings God wants. Maybe it's not materialism. Uh, maybe it's just you really want to, to educate yourself. You want to grow intellectually. And, and so you're not focusing on God's word. You're focusing on the classes you can take in college or university or online learning or all this stuff. There's always ways you can learn and grow. And maybe you're focusing on that. Maybe you're ignoring your Bible reading because it's more fun to play video games or to go out hiking or uh, there's all kinds of ways in which you can seek the desires of the world. And when we love those things like Saturday morning, yesterday, wow, that was just yesterday. Uh, we, we were uh, on a hike up in Sedona with our, our, one of our grandsons said that's what he wanted for his birthday was for grandma and grandpa to go up and go hiking with him. So we did. And uh, it was a bunch of us. There was a, a dozen of us, Nathan and Krista and Kathy and I and their eight kids. And, and we just had a, a great time hiking together and, and even got a cool picture of the group of us. But what if that's what we did every day? What if we said that was so much fun on Saturday, let's do it on Sunday too. Well, I can't be hiking in Sedona and here serving God at the same time. It's okay to take a vacation. When we're on vacation, we're still in church. It's okay to take a vacation, but don't live there. We can get drawn to the things of this world. I know some Christians get so enamored with politics that they're no longer following the word. And some of them get so enamored with Bible study they're no longer witnessing for Christ. They're just totally absorbed in their study, and they're not thinking about other people. And we're supposed to do both. So we can actually love the world, and then we're hindering the cause of Christ. You will never follow Christ on accident. Can't happen. 
You only follow Christ on purpose. When you follow Christ on purpose, you're not going to do the right thing because it's the easy thing. You're going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. It's rarely easy to do the right thing. It's almost always easier to do the wrong thing. So how do you make sure we're on the Lord's side? How do you do that? Well, you know what? We started out talking about that nuclear reactor, and they were off by one millimeter. You know what? The checklist they have to go through, the process and the training they have to go through, it's not difficult. It's really easy to do what that person had to do. They just need to make sure they do it in the right sequence, in the right process, in the specific way. But it's not difficult. It's not like building a rocket and launching into space or something. It's simple. And following Christ is not difficult. It's simple. The difficulty is not knowing what to do. The difficulty is making yourself do it when you don't feel like doing it. And so if you really want to build into your life the spiritual muscle to be able to follow Christ, to be able to make good decisions, to be able to do the difficult things, it's a simple process that you go through. What was that kid's song that you read your Bible? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And then if you neglect your Bible, you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. I remember singing that when I was a kid. Just didn't remember quite how it went. But you spend some time every day reading God's Word. You know what? Parts of God's Word don't really speak to my life. Parts of God's Word are His specific rules for Israel. When I read in Leviticus about the sacrifices they had to prepare in the temple, I don't have to make those sacrifices today. But it does remind me of the holiness of God. I just, uh, this last week, uh, in a couple days, I read through the book of Job. And going through Job, there's parts of Job that are just really hard to get through because the guys are lecturing Job. And you know, if you've read the end, they're all wrong and God rebukes them and corrects them. So why do I have to read the words of a guy who's telling lies? But yet it helps you understand and allow the spirit to work in your heart. There's parts of it that don't speak into my life as much. But you know what happens when you get into God's Word and you start reading it a little bit? The Holy Spirit starts speaking into your life. The Holy Spirit is working. And the Holy Spirit is encouraging you and challenging you and growing you and maturing you. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot. I know people, one guy, he'd just drop his Bible open and wherever it opened up, he'd just start reading. And that was God's Word for the day. You, you, you hear, heard about that guy, right? He, he flopped it open and it said, uh, Judas went and hanged himself. He said, oh, I don't want to read that. So he closed it up and he flopped it open again and it said, go and do thou likewise. Um, uh, <laughs> bad, I know. But, but you know, just, just read it. Uh, you could, if you don't habitually read your Bible, you could start reading a proverb a day. So today's day five. Read Proverbs 5 today. And then go all the way through the book of Proverbs in a month. And then start reading through the Psalms. Start reading through the Gospels. Pick one. In Trek, our middle school ministry, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. For some of these kids, that's the first time they've gone through it. Some of the others have done it a couple times. Uh, But uh, this year, we're going through it. For those of us who are leaders in there, we've been through it several times, even several times in track, but but we're doing it again. And so you're learning, you're growing. And one of the things I like to do is to take a book and just focus on that book for a while and like read through the Paul's letter to the Philippians. Some years ago, um, a certain person that I, whose opinion I highly respect thought that I was grumpy. I won't say who that person was, but she's cute. And 
she thought I was being a little grumpy. And so what I decided I was going to do, Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians and he writes about joy. And in writing, he writes about joy. He was in a prison cell writing about joy. He was writing to people who saw him suffer and get beaten, and he's writing about joy. And so I decided that month I was going to read through the book of Philippians every day. And you know what? I started feeling more joyful. God's word impacts our lives. Somebody said the Bible is the most respected and most neglected book in human history. Bring God's word into your daily life. Second part of being on the right side working with God is you should spend some time praying, both talking to God and listening to God. Now, sometimes when I pray, I pray really fast, really desperate, like the other day in the car. Oh, Lord! You know, that's about all I could get out. And then it was over. And uh, praise the Lord for that. I thanked him for that. But, but, you know, just some days I'll pray and I'll say something to God and then I'll just wait and listen to his Holy Spirit. There's no right way to pray. There's no wrong way to pray. In fact, the Bible says the only wrong way to pray is selfishly. When you want to consume it on your own lusts. Uh, but otherwise, there's no model, there's no method. You can pray standing in the Old Testament and in the Gospels. Sometimes they would pray standing with their hands up toward the Lord, looking up in expectancy. And, and now we pray and we bow our heads. Well, why do we do that? It's a sign of submission and humility before God. Some people pray laying down on the ground. Some people kneel. Uh, some people stand. Those of you who have a harder time getting back up, uh, you know, I was in a church service once when the pastor wanted all the guys to kneel. Well, I knew that if I knelt down, I wouldn't be able to get back up. I can now, but I couldn't then. And I thought, if I get down there, Kathy's going to have to pick me up off the floor. So I just scooted to the front of my chair and bent over and pretended I was kneeling. But, uh, you know, it, there's no right posture for prayer except being humble before God. And so pray and talk to God. The God of the universe wants to hear you. You know what? My kids get tired of some of the stories that I've told over the years. My God never gets tired of hearing from me. Talk to God and listen to him in prayer. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow. And then examine your schedule. Pray about it. See if your focus pleases God. How you're spending your time. How you're spending your money. How you're spending your energy. Are you serving God and walking with God? And We make a thousand tiny little decisions each day. And God knows exactly which of those decisions will have a lasting impact in our lives. So you need to walk with him and learn from him. Seek him. He knows. He cares. And he will help you find the right path every day. It's not difficult. The difficulty is actually doing it. Getting your heart in the place where your prayers are not saying, God, give me, give me, give me. The difficulty is getting your heart to genuinely long for what God wants you to have. To yearn for a closeness and a richness with God. That's the difficulty. But the disciplines that you do daily, those are fairly simple. One of the great theologians was asked, what part of the Bible is the most impactful? What's the greatest thing in the Bible? What's the most important thing that you have learned from all your years of Bible study and, and theological preparation? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's simple. But this world and your own heart lean against it. So you got to correct yourself back to it. And it's going to take daily work. Your choices 
won't get any easier. Someday you're not going to wake up and say, Whew, I am so glad I don't have those problems anymore. You know, it's like the parent who says, man, I can't wait till my kids leave home, then I won't have any stress with my kids. How many of you have adult kids and you have no stress at all, right? You know, sometimes your adult kids are a lot of fun and sometimes there's a lot of concern and, and you're going to spend just as much time praying for your kids when you're a great-grandparent as you were when you had those little kids with you in your house. So it's not going to get easier. You can get better at it, but it won't be easier. Every day it takes work. You will have a spiritual struggle every day inside here and outside you will have a spiritual struggle every day. But you can do this. God will empower you. Whether you live for or whether, whether you live for the Lord or whether you indulge yourself, either way, you're going to have difficulty. If you indulge yourself, you're going to have the difficulty of failure and the difficulty of... Uh, but some parts of life are just a challenge no matter what. But when you walk with the Lord, you're going to have the difficulty on earth, but the blessing in heaven. When you don't walk with the Lord, you still have the difficulty on earth, but you'll miss out on the blessing in heaven. So you have to choose every day. Making wise choices today will make the difficulties less impactful tomorrow. You'll have less problems with the difficulties if you live for the Lord today. It's like the athlete in training. If they work out today, they're going to have a better job, easier job working out tomorrow. And as soon as you take one day off, if you're a competitive athlete, you take that one day off, then that can begin the downward slide. There was a great pianist. He used to say, when, when he was in his 70s, he was still practicing hours every day. And somebody said, why are you practicing so much? He said, I believe I'm making progress. But he also said, if I miss one day, I notice the difference. If I miss two days, my critics notice the difference. If I miss three days, the public notices the difference. Every day. You wake up, say, I'm going to live for the Lord today. I'm going to walk with the Lord today. Today, I'm going to read my Bible. Today, maybe you don't read very well. You, you struggle to read and struggle to focus. There's actually parts of the Bible that when I read through it, I also have my audio Bible playing at the same time. So I'm hearing it and seeing it, and it helps me get through. Uh, Lamentations is a book that, uh, except for a short part in Lamentations 3, I need to hear it and see it to be able to focus my brain because I have some difficulty focusing my brain sometimes. That's just the way God made it. And uh, I call it gifted. Other people call it troubled. But um, uh, when, when, when we walk with God, we, we just learn and we grow. And every day we do this. And you're never going to be so spiritually mature you can get by without reading your Bible. I honestly think if you could memorize the whole Bible, and I've never known anybody who did, the Apostle Paul had memorized the entire Pentateuch and all the Mishnah, the Gemara, not just the Bible part of it, but all the rabbinical teaching part of it. He had memorized a lot. And I knew a guy in Texas who had memorized the entire New Testament and could quote anywhere. You could just pick chapter and verse anywhere in the New Testament, and he could quote it. It wasn't like he had to start over at Matthew 1 to be able to get to Matthew 13. You know, he, he had it all down. And, but even if you have it all in your head, when you have the opportunity, it's good to reread it. And one of the things I do is I read from different translations because I'm seeing it differently. In fact, I have one Bible in my study here that doesn't have any chapter and verse breaks. It's a New Testament and it's re you just read it like the letter. And it's interesting what comes in my head when I'm reading that, that I miss when there's a chapter and a verse break. So my brain is saying, oh, there's a shift here. But then when I'm reading it without those breaks, there's no shift. 
It's just a continuous process. Like James didn't sit down and say, James chapter 1, James chapter 2, James chapter 3, and now we're in James chapter 4. No, it was just a flowing letter from him. And somebody broke it up that way to help us find it and study it. And But learn the Bible, read the Bible, read from different translations, read it differently. Uh, some Bibles are paragraph Bibles. They're, they're grouped by pericope. And you can do that in your online Bible. Most of the time you can remove the other stuff so you can just focus on God's Word. And let it speak into your heart and life. So what's the best part of the Bible to read? All of it. What's the best color for a Bible? A red one. (laughs) You have to read it and, and learn from it. Now, the New Testament is probably more applicable to your daily life, but all of it has value. All of it has benefit. It's God's word. We can learn and grow. And the cool thing is, you don't have to get it all down. You you just learn a little bit. As as the old dad, here a little, there a little, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You just learn. And you're never going to grow unless you grow in your understanding of God's word and your time in prayer You're going to grow that relationship with him. So it's not going to get easier, but you can get better at it. You can learn from it. You can grow with it. And you're never going to not have a spiritual struggle on earth. In heaven, all our spiritual struggle will be over. I bet in heaven I'll even sing well. In heaven, all our struggles will be over and we'll be with the Lord and we'll rejoice in the Lord. But I think we'll still grow in heaven. God designed us to be people who grow. And the cool thing about spiritual growth is it never has to stop. At some point in your life, your physical strength will stop increasing. At some point in your life, your mental capacity will stop increasing. But never does your spiritual capacity have to diminish. If you do the daily focus with the Lord, your spiritual growth can happen until you're in the Lord's presence in heaven. It never has to stop. So James says you can avoid those wars You can avoid those fights. You can avoid that that, uh, desire, the coveting, the longing for the things of this world if you'll just turn your heart toward the Lord. How many of you remember the old radios with the twist dial? Now it's all digital, right? The old radios with the twist dial or the TVs with the twist. You know, sometimes the TVs with that twist thing, you could get it just slightly between channels and get a better picture. And with the radio, you can do that. You're over here and it's like, ah, now I hear it. You need to tune your heart toward the Lord, just like that radio dial, so that you're listening to him from his word and through his spirit, and so that you're conversing with him in your prayer. Tune your heart toward him. And James says, that's when life is the richest. It's not when you have tons of money and get to go see cool places. Life is the richest when you are connected with the Lord. Don't go down the path that leads to wars and fights, coveting and hatred. Walk with the Lord. Now, you might be here and you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. Don't leave. Stick around. We'll show you from God's Word how you can be saved. You can talk to me in the courtyard. I'll pair you up with somebody. Walk with the Lord. Someday, you're going to stand before the Lord. On my good days, I hope that's when it is. On my bad days, I let Lord give me another chance. 
but someday all our chances will be over and we'll be with him. And you know what you will not regret on that day? Any sacrifice you ever made to grow spiritually, to love others, to walk with, you will not regret it at all on that day. But you might regret the times you didn't. So let's, let's try. We're at the beginning of a month. It's the 5th. Tomorrow we're going to celebrate Labor Day. A very strange thing in our culture. We celebrate having a job by getting a day off. You know, when I was a business manager, I told the employees, you know, we're going to celebrate Labor Day, and you're so grateful to have your job, you're going to work twice as long for half as much. They didn't agree with that very much. But, but listen, we're going to celebrate the fact that God has given ability to work. That's what Labor Day is. It's not celebrating the job you have, but celebrating the workers. And that's why they get a day off, because they're the workers. But you never get a day off working for the Lord. And the Lord someday is going to celebrate the workers. We're going to have a spiritual Christian Labor Day in heaven with Jesus as he celebrates those who worked for him and served him. And some are going to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Could be you. Let's, let's walk with him. Let's try and focus our lives around him so that we're ready for that day, even if it happens on this day. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.